Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> How the devil are you? Well, good. I'm glad. It's Thursday, so yes, it's episode 83 of the podcast. Thank you so much for subscribing and downloading. Um, very short intro this week. Two things I want to say. Apologies first to you. Why, Craig? What are you apologising for now? I'll tell you. Your badges were supposed to be arriving to your house this week. I've been called away for work. I'm currently recording this in a hotel in London and I'm not there at home to stuff all those envelopes. But I'm going to get onto it next week, so just bear with and thank you so much. Um, Another thing. This episode... Right. I want to preface this episode with a warning, really. Um, This is probably the most candid conversation we've had on the podcast and my god we've had a, a fair few haven't we it's the actor connor swindles now um you if you, you might not know the name if you've seen sex education on netflix you'll certainly know who i'm talking about we look if you're in a dark place or you're feeling brittle just just be careful with this episode because we talk about anxiety we talk about death we talk about grief, we talk about loneliness, we talk about alcoholism. Um, and you'll hear in the conversation, there's sometimes where there isn't any words. We just had to, it was very, felt very natural to, to just pause and just let what was said sort of breathe. Um, so yeah, look, it, it's incredible. Uh, and I'm really pleased that that Connor came on and felt that he could be so candid. So, um, yeah, tell you what, just, if you're not in a great place, maybe just wait a bit, or maybe it might be of comfort to you, I don't know, but I just thought it important to tell you some of the the topics that we cover um, about Connor's past, where he is right now, and sort of achievements for the future. So look, let's get down to it, Okay. This is episode 83 of the Two Shot Podcast with Connor Swindles. I'll see you at the end. Have you ever had a medical for a job where they check your balls? I've had a medical, but only like, not, a, not an actual physical touch medical. Just one when you have to tick the thing, like, no, 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 no. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And maybe they, maybe they like touch your like body i've never had yeah. them balls, so. i went last medical i went to i said i, I said i always like having these medicals because I, I very rarely need to go to the doctors because i'm i'm you know touch wood very rarely ill and he went well these can't really show anything it's just like for insurance purposes you know yeah, so yeah, you could yeah. be really ill and i went all right yeah cheers so that then spiraled off my worry that maybe oh. i am i have got cancer yeah <laughs> of the balls please help me don't say things like that i know the doctor that I saw today, because the reason why I went, and I'll talk about this as well, is because are we going now as well? So my 
grandfather on my mum's side died from bowel cancer. Right. And then my mum died from bowel cancer as well when I, when I was like seven. So I've, and it's actually, it's definitely got worse um, with moderate success that I've been through. Do you know what I mean? Because, what, the worries got worse? Yeah, because now I think, oh, that would be fucking, that would be the perfect ending to the story is like, you've got all this great notoriety and, you know, and now it's like, you're going to die. So it's definitely got worse and I'd never been to the doctors about it before. And I was kind of hoping that he would be like, yeah, you know, I understand why you're a bit worried, but you're probably fine. And the moment I started describing to him, he was like, you have every right to be worried. Did he really? Yeah. And I was like, oh, what man. did that do to your worry? Did that spiral out of control? Or did that cement it? Um, did you feel you, oh, well, if he's saying I'm right to be worried, then, then I should be worried. Then, Well, the other thing as well is like, you know, the reason why he said, yeah, you have every right to be worried is because, you know, two people in my family have died from it. So at the same time, if he had said, nah, I think you're fine, I probably would have walked out and gone, that doctor is shit. He, you know, I'm still going to worry. So nothing would have changed. And he was basically like, you know, you don't need to worry because if anything does happen, if anything does change, you know that you'll get it checked out. And I think both my... I think both my grandfather and my mother, one of the main reasons why it got them was because they're from a family of uh, like travellers and stuff like that where you you just don't go to the doctor until you're dead. You deal with things yourself. Exactly, you just man up. Um, So, and that's probably what got them, Um, whereas I'm the opposite. I have such horrendous anxiety and health anxiety that I can't, the moment I feel anything, I'm like, I'm, Die, um, this is it yeah. you know? especially that's what I mean it'd be like the perfect that would just be perfect you know what I mean I do I think that all the time <laughs> but of course this is going to happen to exactly, me yeah. at this moment yeah think everything else is going right tick tick that's yeah. alright I feel very happy and of course I'm just about to get run over by this truck exactly yeah I do think like that which is annoying because when good things happen you can't enjoy them can't enjoy them because you're always worried about what's around the corner or what's you know are you always like that i think i think yeah i think so it's definitely it's definitely something i struggle with a lot in that the moment i have any sort of success i'm all i can't i can't enjoy it because i just think fuck there's something's gonna happen in two minutes which is gonna end it all there were times where i couldn't leave my house because i was like just I just have to like if I got a job for instance I'd be like I just have to be safe until I've done the job and then I'll be fine do you know what I mean is it about mortality or probably yeah I think so I definitely have some a weird complex about that and always have obviously because I lost my mum at such an early age I think that would how old were you Connor when she passed I was seven I was six I think I was six or seven she was 46, I think, 48 Fuck. or so. Um, but yeah, I think that definitely um, has had a massive effect on me in every way growing up. And anyone that's lost a parent knows that as well, like in terms of relationships as well. It's definitely. What does it do to relationships? Does it make you not want to enter into a relationship because you you fear it's going to end? Or? I definitely went through that, yeah. And now it's more like, 
all the I, I fear all the things that my and it ties back into her getting cancer as well if I'm like I just had like driving over here then I had the thought of like oh what if because my mum my dad tells a story that he was at home and she or he was at work and she called him up and she was like it's cancer and then I get that fear of like oh, am I going to make that fucking same phone call to my girlfriend and be like do you know what I mean so what does that do for you day in day out does it does it stall things does it stop things oh of course it sometimes stops enjoyment of things yeah I think yeah I mean it is definitely an everyday thing that I deal with that and then I but then part of me feels you know that I have a duty to also educate people on it as well and maybe do something in that regard and maybe that's why my mum died from it and my grandfather died from it it's that so I won't or you know so that I can help people that are going through that or whatever I don't know um I certainly a positive way of but then there's at but then there's so also tragic. in that if I'm being brutally honest with myself that's also me being like oh maybe if I talk about it with people that I won't get it so it's selfish as well do you know what I mean but I think you've got to talk about these yeah. things yeah I mean you know if you didn't talk about your feelings your everyday feelings and they were all bottled up mm. then where are they going to go yeah and then you'd be worrying that, well, they're not getting anywhere, so they're going to turn into cancer. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's snowballing, isn't it? Yeah, I think... Oh, I think... Um, I think general anxiety, anyway, just doesn't help. And we both know, working in this industry, how... Unforgiving. And just is. weird your life is. Do you know what I mean? My girlfriend's doing a play at the moment. Uh, which is about to open at the National, and I just think, fuck, I could never... In the state that I'm in right now, There is, I could not get on that stage every night and do that. But then part of me also thinks, oh, maybe that's just what I need. Maybe I need not to be in my head so much, because I just predominantly do film and, t- and TV, so... But does that change when you step on set? Do you forget? Yeah, it does. But that, those those are far and few between, do you know what I mean? Being on set. I mean, I'm lucky that I've got a gig at the moment, a sort of regular recurring gig, so... But then, you know... I'll, be, I'll, I'll, I'll get such horrendous health anxiety, and I know I'm just going on a tangent about this now, but... It's all right. I'll get... I, 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 we're about to start filming season two of Sex Education in the next couple of months, and part of me is just like, just make it through, just survive for that six months already is that what you're thinking yeah, yeah. if I could just get over that finish line if I could line. just make that and then I can die I'll be do you know what I mean fuck mate that's how crazy it gets yeah I'll be like I've just got to make it to that if I can just make it those do you know what I mean I, well I know what you mean I don't know how healthy <laughs> it is I know to think like that I know but you do you do say you don't think about it when you get on set yeah yeah and I so think, what can you do well, in your everyday life to incorporate how you feel when they say action? Well, I think partly I've put off going to the doctors for a long time anyway, so I think that's definitely going to be it. And my girlfriend just said, you need to fucking go to the doctors and get it looked at. But I think it's like a hereditary thing in my brain that both my mum and my... That, I get it from that side of the family of just burying your head in the sand. 
Right. That's what I was saying earlier. I think yeah. that's where it comes from. Is that that is that's what got them? Is they buried their head in the sand for too long, and then when they finally pulled it out, it was like you've got six months left or whatever. Well, um, I think it's lucky that I'm more aware of that than they are, and I'm definitely more aware of like my mental health than both of both anyone on that side of the family is anyway. Um, Do you think this is more a mental health situation than a, a physical health situation? I think so. I think so. Yeah. Um, Do you talk to anybody about that? I'm starting to go to therapy now. Uh, before it gets any worse, do yeah. You know what I mean, I think, uh, and Maddie and Siam, you know, my agency, you guys know, they're really great and they're the most understanding people in the world. Um, when it comes to things like this, they, yeah. Well, because they're a good, they're a support network. You oh, know? Yeah. I mean, I know you've got like. You've got your girlfriend, you've got your friends, yeah. you've got your family, but sometimes the people that you work with day in, day out need to know where you are within yourself because they're, it sounds quite coarse, but they're selling you. Yeah. And it's a representation of them as well. Absolutely, so they've yeah. got to be there with you. They are the best. There have been, you know, plenty of times where I've just been like, I can't, I can't do what you're asking me to do right now because I'm just crippled with whatever it is and you know listening to joe when he did this when he did the first one what was that like a year two ago that was a year that was a year ago yeah that i think it was big... more or less a year around was it a year to the around the year to the day griff between yeah. yeah it was around a year between both episodes yeah that was a massive help as well to know to hear his struggles with mental health and anxiety and things and do you get to have a point where you think it's just you but i mean even prior to that I do because my brothers who who were both sort of double my age anyway they I don't know what it is but they just don't they just don't get it they just don't get I tried to talk to them about they're so I don't know what the word is they're, I mean they're working class men and they're men as well do you know what I mean they right. they're both laborers and they And also they're of a different generation Exactly yeah and a different upbringing to me. I grew up with my dad, who was very in touch with his emotions after my mum died, whereas they grew up with my mum on that side of the family, which was sort of all a bit out of loop anyway. But if I try to talk to them about their feelings, they it's not even that they don't want to talk about it, they just don't get it. They're just like, why Why would I be it doesn't depressed? Com- it doesn't compute with them. They just don't understand. They're like, why would I have nothing to be depressed about? Why would I be depressed? And I think, well, don't you ever wake up one morning and just feel slightly anxious about something? And they're like, no. They just, it's not even, they, it's not even that they're trying to deny it. They're, they're trying to hide it. They just don't get it. So that makes me feel alone because I'm like, I'm the runt of the litter that's somehow the mentally weakest out of all three of us and the physically the weakest because I'm skin well, and bone. You, but then again, I don't even think it could be incorporated as mentally weak. I actually think there's something um, very strong to be able to acknowledge that even though you can't, completely put your finger on what's not connecting that the circuits aren't connecting but that you know that something's wrong surely that's a strength no i think so i think part of me is also like because i used to be a boxer and back when i was doing that i didn't give a fuck about all this i didn't i didn't i thought i was invincible for one yeah i had a, a weird i had the opposite I had this weird invincibility complex where i thought i was untouchable and i thought i was hard as nails and i would have never worried about any of this stuff back then so part of me always thinks what 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 was the shift in that 
what was the shift in my mind from that point to now that has now turned the opposite? I think partly because I don't exercise enough anyway, and that breeds anxiety, I think, for me, who being an athlete anyway, coming from an athletic background. Were you always very sporty? Yeah, and I... I think, uh, yeah, I think so, but not typical sports, not like football, rugby, but I boxed for a long time as a kid. And, right. Um, so, yeah, and I think that plays a big part in it as well and the fact that I now do a job that doesn't require me to f- brainwash myself into thinking that I'm tough as nails, whereas in boxing you do... It's a and also with boxing, you get a tremendous release, right. whether you're you know whether you're in the ring or you're training, don't you? So and you feel viciously alive when mm. you're when you're fighting. So maybe that's what's missing now. But I don't want to replicate that in my life. I would rather now talk about feelings with people than have to get punched in the head to realise that I don't. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, and also now you're doing a job where I can't get punched in the head because I need to learn my lines. Well, you can. I don't know. I got my head cracked open once by a fire extinguisher. <laughs> So, you know, who knows? Yeah. And, and you also you're doing a job where the majority of the time you sat around. Exactly, yeah. Just thinking. Yeah. I, uh, but I, I definitely, I think it will do me good to be, like, I would recommend therapy to anyone, obviously. I think it's just hard for me to, to, uh, because I'm quite self-aware anyway, do you know what I mean? So part of me is like, well, is the therapist just going to tell me things that I'm already telling myself? But maybe that's just what I need, is those things to be sort of what I was looking for from the doctor today, for him to be like, yeah. Possibly, yeah. But I suppose if you don't hit me towing, then you never know, do you? Exactly. And then it will just, you know. So, Connor, let's go back to childhood. Sorry. No, no. Don't need to be sorry, my friend. Not at all. Waffling on. <laughs> Where, whereabouts do you grow up? In uh, a few different areas around West Sussex. Moved around a lot when I was kids. Right. Why were you moving around? Because of like the... So I, so I lived in a place called Chaley, which is sort of near Burgess Hill, uh, from birth to around the age of six. And I lived with my mum and my dad. And I think they... They're, they split up when I was about five, I think. And then I just lived with my mum and I didn't really know my dad. And my dad moved back in with his parents. Right. In uh, in a play, in a village called West Chiltington in West Sussex. And he, I think he had been made bankrupt at that time as well. And he was a manic depressive as well. So he, he moved back in with his parents because he needed to be taken care of. He needed, right. some, he needed people around him. And I think that was one of the reasons why my, they split up in the first place is because it was a lot for my mum. And then she got diagnosed with cancer when I think I was six. And then she had like six months and then she was she was dead by the time I was seven. And then I moved. My dad sort of showed up and was like, you're going to live with me now. And he... Was he down on the mend at this point or mm, certainly on the, ro- the road to getting himself fixed? He was definitely doing a lot better. He was with his dad and his mum and they were, you know there for him they were a support network for him I think it just gave him a bit of structure that he didn't have before I, I mean I don't really know I, th- I think he I think I think suddenly being faced with a child that you have to take care of and the loss of your wife there's two things that one is really bad and the other's like you don't have time to sometimes you don't have time to grieve when you're faced with another thing I think that it ceases him. to become about him and right. he's got a, a child to look after exactly 
so then I moved in with him and his parents, my grandparents in the country. And Do you have a good relationship with the grandparents? Um, not really. I mean, f- four months after I moved in there, my grandfather died, who I, I was living with. Right. So then it was just the three of us. He died from a... He had a massive stroke because he was, he was boozing and drinking and he wasn't telling anyone that he was having mini strokes because he liked drinking and smoking too oh, much. Jesus. Right, okay. Another... And it just, another one for another sticking bearings. his head in the sand. Yeah. Fuck, man. And that caught him. Um, and then it was just the three of us. It was my gran, me and my dad, and she was sort of a... The, she was my mum for, well, longer than my actual mum was, really, for about 10 years before she died when I was 17. And we had a, a vicious relationship as well, me and her. We hated the ground that we walked on. Really? Yeah, she was... Where did that stem from? I think... I think I, I think a lot of it was worry on her behalf. If I look back now, she was more terrified that I was going to end up in a bad way. But I wasn't really, I wasn't really rebellious. I was quite quiet. I wasn't, on, I wasn't really doing anything wrong. And I think that worried her. I think she thought, well, why is he not rebelling? Why is he not acting up in school? Because she couldn't gauge where exactly. you were coming from. And then it would come out in anger and. I was just a, a bit of a shit anyway back home. Like, I, you know, didn't tidy my room and stuff like that. But she would get overly angry over those things. And then but we also, would a lot. you know, your mum passed when you were seven. Mm. That, you know, we're talking about now you're 17. It's 10 years. It's not like you've been in and out of therapy dealing with you, the, right. the loss of your mum and the, the right, grief. Right. So, yeah, I suppose it, surely it's going to come out in some way, isn't it? I th- yeah, I... Th- I mean, I look back now and I do think everything she did for me, she did only do to because she was trying to help, help you yeah, yeah. And, and, and make me... You'd hope so, wouldn't you? Yeah, and yeah. it would be stupid of me not to think that and to look back and think that. But we definitely had a very uh, rough relationship with each other and she was she had just lost her husband as well. So And she was dealing with that exactly. as well. So how, we were, how was your relationship with your dad at this point? And how was he with it himself? Um... He was definitely, well, we were all weirdly sort of taking care of each other in that my gran was basically having to raise two kids again. Okay, yeah. Um, one of them was forty in his 40s and one of them was six or seven. Um, and then my dad probably felt that he had a duty to look after his mum who had just lost her husband So I feel, and, and his son. So he was sort of distracted by that. Things sort of really got bad for my dad after that had gone away. By the time I was old enough to take care of myself and my grandmother had passed away, he sort of spiralled down a darker path as well because he didn't... I guess he felt like he didn't have any structure anymore. There was no, I dare I say, purpose, but... Well, no, I think you're right because he didn't have to take care of you because you were slowly starting to become a man and looking after yourself his mum wasn't around anymore so yeah you're right I think that structure sort of fell away so therefore maybe he did as well yeah and he he's definitely been a big drinker his whole life I think that's quite that goes without saying so and that only made things worse as well and I lived with him until for a couple of years after um my grand died till I was about 19 and at that point things and he won't mind me saying this but things were really bad in that in our household situation it was sort of like every other day he was having an episode where he would be like crying and screaming and 
drunk and stuff or and he has really bad he broke his he broke his back 10 years ago and he's got ridiculous chronic pain um so it's this weird sedation thing as well of you know painkillers and and alcohol and that's never good and and that's not helping his mental state at exactly, all exactly yeah and he lives in the middle of nowhere as well so there's no one to talk to there's no one to you know and he's not really big into that anyway but you did say before that he's quite in touch with his feelings. Yeah, he's definitely... Definitely more emotional than the other side of the family, let's say. Who right. Are, you know, uber-masculine and uber-macho. Can't cry, you can't show any pain or fear or anything like that. Be a stereotypical... Man. Man, yeah. yeah. Toxic masculinity is yeah. definitely... Rife. yeah. But at the same time, I had my older brothers who were there for me as well, and they were the best. They were always, they always took care of me if ever I needed anything, or you know, they were always there for me. And I, th- I feel like that was sort of my mum's last wish was like, take care of your brother. And they always have been, and they're the best. If it wasn't for my older brother Danny, I definitely wouldn't be an actor now. He was the one that, after I stopped boxing, he I was sleeping on his sofa and going to doing like rehearsals for community theatre auditions and things like that or rehearsing for community theatre and then going to little auditions sleeping on his sofa because I couldn't afford to go from mine to where the auditions were in London he lived closer that was probably for a year I did that slept on his sofa and he's got three kids and a wife so I owe a lot of it to him another like I just I mean I've gone off now but no it's alright we go off everywhere he so back if I pull back to my dad we were living together things were pretty rough and I we were living in a council flat in West Sussex where there's nothing um and I was like fuck I have to I have to get out of here yeah because every, each day I was there I felt like I was dying do you know I was like I have to get out of this place what is the quickest way that I could make enough money and just dash out as quickly as I could. Yeah. Up until this point, I hadn't really done any acting or anything. What was school like at this point? Um, were you getting on with it or were you keeping your head down? Or? did horrendously in school just because I thought I was... Because up, up until I was 17, I was a boxer, so I didn't try in school whatsoever because I didn't think I needed school to be a boxer. Because I thought that's what I was going to do. I was going to... Oh, did you? I was, was, gonna, yeah. was boxing going to be a, a, a job route? I think... I think, I think that I was deluded enough to think so. I look back, I'm like, there is no way in hell that I could have ever been a professional boxer. But at the time, I definitely thought so. Yeah, of course. And of course, you were much younger at the time. And so. me being weirdly obsessive and extremist, I'm either food or famine. I'm either all in or all out. Well, it's a good job you're an actor then, because that's kind of what the game's like, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. But with, like, you know, with that came the loss of any education or any sort of academics that I could have grass so I left school I didn't have shit to me so uh, what did you think was the next step when you quit boxing well my brother said to me you're going to have to come work with us on the building site because that's all you're going to be able to do now so I was doing that and quickly realised I cannot I'm too, I can't do this forever yeah. um, and they knew that as well so that sort of spurred me to find out what I need to figure out what I'm going to do do you think maybe that was a lesson to you to come and do what we do and then figure out what it is you want to do because they secretly knew that this this wasn't the life for yeah, you. Yeah, I think so, yeah. There was no, you know, 
if it's anything, quite, it's probably a, cost them money, if anything. It's quite a fatherly thing to do. Yeah. Just going back to you saying about what your, you maybe what you think your your mum's wish was for mm. you, your brothers to look after you. It's quite a, a fatherly yeah. thing to do, isn't it? And I didn't have any money anyway, so you know, me and my dad, we had no money when we were living together. Um, like we would run, you know, the electric, like el- the electricity, you know, the key thing. You go down the local shop and they yeah. tap it up. We had that, and we would run that into the emergency every single like every single week because we just to get a little bit more money on the monday so that like there, not a week went by when we didn't run that into the emergency right do you know what i mean the emergency yeah uh, the, the key slot and it would go onto the rest yeah yeah yeah. yeah 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 so i mean we were we were dirt poor growing up and how's your dad now how's he surviving now i think I mean, I mean, sort of financially. I don't. I know. I've got a feeling. I kind of know where he is within himself. But is he on benefits? Yeah, he's he not is, working, yeah, yeah. is he? he no, work. no, he can't. He's yeah. He's on. He's on benefits. And if ever he like, I think another. If ever he needed money, I would always give him money. Do you know what I mean? Uh, a big part of it as well was if I, I thought if maybe if I become successful as an actor that it will make him happy, and obviously that's never the case. I thought that I could. My success would be could fix where exactly. he is yeah. and it just doesn't it doesn't happen it doesn't work like that no but you said that your relationship that at that time was quite fractious yeah and you need to get out how's your relationship now now you've got distance oh yeah so getting distance was definitely the best thing that i could have done for both of us well, it is the key sometimes isn't it if you're, you're you know, thrown in that situation and it yeah. ain't working and we don't speak as obviously we don't we we, we live every day together for 10 10 years <laughs> And now we probably speak, you know, once a month or so. But that's definitely what works now. Um, and he loves sort of all the acting and the success that I've been lucky enough to get. Uh, but he definitely... Um, he's definitely struggled a lot his whole life. And that makes me feel bad as well. Do you know what I mean? Sometimes I think... Does it make you feel guilty? I think so. I think uh, I think it's something that I might have to pay for later on in life. Is or maybe that's just your worry again. It's actually, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know this is me being stuck in my head too much, but but aren't we all sometimes? We all are. You know, we all overthink every day. We're at the supermarket. We're overthinking. Yeah, I think that's what garnered me into being, but. Th- I have to be thankful for all the shit that has happened because if it hadn't have happened, for instance, let's say I do have bowel cancer. If my mum hadn't got it and she hadn't died from it, I might not survive from getting it. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, sometimes you get dealt with shit your hand, but if you're prepared for it, then maybe you can work with it. Um, so maybe that will happen and maybe that's... But maybe if that shit hadn't have happened, maybe I wouldn't survive it. Do you know what I, mean? I don't know. But another part of me as well is like with the stuff with my dad if that stuff hadn't happened I wouldn't have had such a drive to be like I have to get the fuck out of this house and you won't be sat here and, right now exactly yeah um so I can't not I can't not talk shit about all that stuff but but you're being you're just time. being honest though I don't think you're uh, disrespecting it in any way or right. slagging it off I mean it's it's you're just cataloguing and talking about the past Right. And I definitely thought all that shit that happened, surely I could take that and put it into acting. And if I don't, then 
all that stuff is only just pain and it'd be wasted really do you get what I mean? Yeah. Like, at least like, I can transfer pain into something else. When did you think about that? Because you, you know, your brother put you on that building site and went, oh, yeah, this is not for me. Where, when did the... Because at this moment, it's been purely quite boxing-y. Yeah. Right? So when did the acting come into it? Um, I mean, I'd done like a mandatory drama classes at school like everyone had to. And the teachers would always be like, this is what you're going to do. But I always felt that it wasn't an uh, honourable thing to do because I because I all idolised my brothers so much. You worked on building sites. It's like, am I really just going to go and fucking fart around and pretend to be someone else and that's, get paid? That, that's that's not what a man does. Exactly. That's not masculine. Anyway. And guilt. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. and tried to reject that idea. So I tried to be a boxer and I tried to be an athlete instead. And it was always like. I feel like I've had no say in it, really. It was like always kind of creeping back to a bit or being pulled, this gravitational pull. Yeah. Um, and then the moment I made the switch and was like, this is what I'm going to do, all the stars aligned and it was just like constant fluidity for the first time in my life. Whereas everything else I ever did, it was like I was pushing a rock up a hill. And then the moment I started to do acting, that I was pushing it down, you know what I mean? I, and I just let it roll. How did that How did that feel within yourself at that point, if that was the first moment in life where things seemed to be connecting? Well, it was also one of the first moments anyone had ever told me from the moment I did something, this is what you'll do. Like, I didn't walk into a boxing gym and have some, you know, squinty-eyed boxing coach shout across the floor, that guy's going to be a champion. It was yeah. never that. Um, it was the opposite. I got my ass, I got my head kicked in every day for over a year before I was any good at that. But then the moment I started acting, first thing someone came up to me and said was, "This is you can. This is what you could do. You could do this." And that was a big moment for me. Of did you feel that that was a possibility within yourself? No, I, I remember the guy that I spoke to was a man named Michael De Cruz, who sort of became like a mentor to me as well. He was directing a community theatre play down in Brighton at the time, and I. I remember thinking in my head, I'm going to go up and speak to him. And if he, t and I'm going to say, do you think I can be an actor? And if he gives a hint of any slither of, mm, I'm, I'm going to walk out and I'm never doing it ever again. But on the flip side of the coin. He was like, this is what you're going to do. And that was it. And then I went, I just went for it. And it was def, I hadn't, I'd never done it before. I didn't know what I was doing. So I thought maybe you have to go to drama school and you have to do that. And I auditioned and didn't get in. Um, so what, then, how did that make you feel? Did you, that that did that put a brick wall up to you? About did you feel that oh that's the route that everybody goes down, or certainly a lot of people went down, and you weren't going down there? What were you going to do next? Well, he said to me before that he was like, "You're not going to be a theatre guy because when you act, you got you've got like ten minutes, and then it's done." In that when I, if I do a, a scene, for instance, like you better hope the camera's rolling because afterwards I'm, I'm probably going to leave and not do it again if it's going to be really taxing for me. But that's just because I don't have the skill set to be able to go into a place and come out of it. So it tends to be like even on Sex Ed, there was a day where, and that's like a dramedy. It's a com like you're not really meant to be crying doing that film or that show. And there was a day where I just, lost my head completely and had to leave for 45 minutes and JJ one of the producers who's amazing was coming over and being like we're, we're not going to do it again you know if you want to if you want to say no to this we can just stop and you can 
we can call it a day and we'll see what we've got and try and make something. That's amazing that they were so supportive. So supportive. Because, you know, it's a lot of young actors, and even especially your character, I mean, he's he's never himself until mm. sort of right at the end till yeah. he admits a lot of stuff. So you're dealing with... yeah. Oh, you might see this person on the outside, but you can't see what's going on within. Exactly, yeah. And I knew that to myself, if I don't go back in and do this, then I've failed. I've I've been beaten by myself, effectively. So did you? It stopped me from doing my job. Yeah, yeah. I did go back in and we finished it and it was great. But what I'm saying is, is that maybe I'm just too psychotic. To, I do think sometimes maybe I'm not cut out for this. Maybe this isn't something that I'm meant to do just because I can't emotion, handle my emotions sometimes. And, and Michael said that. He said, you, you can't do a play because you can't get up there every night and do this because you'll die. And I know that in myself as well. I, can't, I don't have the emotional stability or the endurance to be able to replicate high emotion night yeah. after night like amazing actors do. Well, you say that, but I know an incredible actor who on stage is probably one of the the he's a brilliant actor full stop he's one of the best theatrical actors I've, I've seen because it costs him mm. so much you believe that he's going through this this pain right there in front of your eyes but it costs him so much and for him to do a full week he's physically drained yeah. and mentally spent yeah there's there's nothing left in the tank yeah and i spoke to a, a brilliant director about him and he went the thing is about him if he could only do three shows a week yeah, yeah. it'd be amazing <laughs> yeah but then we get somebody else to do the other four or whatever it is yeah so you know i don't think you're alone in that actually mm. um and this actor i'm talking about is in his 50s so he's yep. been doing it a fucking long time and yeah. he really knows his craft. Um, and it's, you know, you do see people, I see people on stage and I go, that costs you nothing. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. And because I, and I'm not saying it has to cost everybody something when they get up there. And I don't want to see the blood all the time. Mm. I don't need to see the snot and the shit and the pain and the tears. But if I do and I believe it, amazing. Yeah. But I don't think you're, what I'm trying to say is I don't think you're alone in that. Yeah, yeah. No. And I don't think I don't think you should ever think of that as as a weakness, mm. not to uh, put a block on getting on up there on stage. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's definitely, uh, especially my girlfriend. She does tons of things. She went to Rada. She's trained. She's amazing. So, and she does inspire me to do those types of things. But then at the same time, there's part of me that, and if I just go back again to what Michael said to me, he said, you know, you'll do film and TV and that will be where you find your flow. And he was right. And he got me in touch with his own agent at the time, who was a small time, sort of smallish agent. How old are you at this point? 19. Right. I went for a couple of auditions with her. My cousin, who's a casting director, um, I'd been begging her for probably that year yeah. to see me for something. And this, you know, 
she was like, what the, what the fuck are you talking about? You want to be an actor? You were a boxer. And like, oh, she, she didn't know, she didn't know any of this. All. So she, I'm, I'm begging her constantly. And she's like, well, I, this is, how do I know this isn't just something like, I see serious actors come in here. And yeah. Why am I going to let you just walk in and take this thing? Begged her and begged her and begged her. And eventually she saw me for something and told me on the spot, um, okay, you're not going to get this part, but you're great. So I'm going to send the tape to a few agents and I'm not going to tell them that we're related right. because I don't want it to be nepotism or anything no. like that. Yeah. So, and people are very quick to judge. Exactly. In this business. And anyway. she didn't want her, she didn't want to look like that. The casting director is like, Oh, no. can you join my, with my cousin? Um, and she also made it very clear. Like you probably won't hear anything back because it's like showcase season for drama schools and stuff. So don't get your hopes up. And then like within a week, Maddie and Sienna at Hamilton Odell would, or within a couple of days had emailed me and I met with them and that was, a clear a clear decision it was the best one I ever made and then a couple like a month after being with them I got two jobs and then a year later I got two leads in a film and then a year later sex ed so that's sort of the journey that I've been on really that, that do you know what I mean yeah from Michael telling me you can do this and you still in touch with Michael yeah we speak all the time actually yeah, yeah. he's been uh, he was the I remember this is this is because I was so poor at the time. He and I was. This was when I met him. Was when I was really going through it with my dad, and the home situation was really on the rocks. And I had very bad. Uh, would I say? I think depression. Like I would cry most nights. Do you know what I mean? Because I was like this. For, you would. Would you cry for a specific reason, or would you not know? I would why cry because crying? I was like, am I going to live here in this? Like I had, like, I'm talking when I mean poor. I mean like there's no carpet on the floor and there's a mattress on the floor. Yeah, um, and like no wall, like shitty wallpaper and stuff like like real rough. Um, and our flat was just a shithole at the time as well because we had moved out of my grandmother's massive house where there was a swimming pool. My grandfather had built it, and all the stuff had been taken in this two bedroom. So we were living within box within this city in this. Do you know what I mean? This metropolis of cardboard boxes yeah so it was like just it didn't feel like a home and then this whole tension was going on with me and my dad and I kind of didn't feel like I had any family at that point and did you feel quite lost at that point oh yeah for sure and you know boxing had sort of fallen away and that was probably the only thing that had made me keep my head down for a long time and now that had gone and so that one bit of structure in your life and discipline had gone gone completely now I wanted to be an actor and I had no idea what I meant to do but I just knew that I was wanted to do it and that I was going to do it somehow do you still feel passionate about it mm, I mean, not as much no I think I, I really to and fro with it now there are times where I'm like I'm, I'm Maddie and Sandy are going to kill me for saying this but there are times where I do think I'm going to call them up and be like I'm done do you know no, what I mean but you see I don't th- you know you say that I understand why you're saying it <clears throat> but there's things that crop up on doing this and you know god what are we now I don't know, 90-something episodes in. And the amount, especially when I speak to certain actors, even actually when I spoke to musicians and they've gone, do you know what? My record sales are shit and I've done, I feel I've done the best work I can do there. No radio is playing me. What's the point? What's the point? And actors feel like that as well mm. all the time. I think creatives and artists of all sorts just feel like it at one point because, you know, that fire was so strong when I started. And it's, it, yeah. it, it can't burn as brightly all the time, can it? 
and it, I feel guilty because it's come with sort of success is that now I'm, and it's that which makes me want to sometimes pack it in. Cause I think, especially because acting for me is so, I don't know how to do it without really doing it. So in like emotional scenes, I remember I did a film, uh, a couple of years ago called Versus, which was about this, um, it was about a foster kid that goes looking for his mum effectively uh, after they've been estranged for over like 10, 11 years. So it, it sort of felt to me, oh, this is probably as close as I'm going to get to ever actually seeing my mum again or saying the things that I always wanted to say to right. her. And in those scenes that were, they were just so horrendously taxing for me and I had no um, way of getting out easily I, I would like people would I, just stupid like people would have to come over and cuddle like I remember I did the audition with Julie Harkin and she in that audition I couldn't even get to the end of the page because I just broke down in tears and everyone was around giving me a hug and stuff and I just thought this is not what I meant I can't I don't I can't sustain this at yeah. all I'm not I don't have the uh whatever muscle it is, I don't have it to well, fucking I don't know to... if it's about a muscle. I mean, that's a, that's a release of some sort. Exactly. Isn't it? You're tapping in to sort of your past grief, which is fucking, you know, that's amazing. You know, and to it, have, it's but... amazing, but it's also shit when you're doing scenes where, you, where you're not trying to do that. And suddenly I'm in a flood of tears and I've run out of set. Because... And you're broke. Exactly. When I wasn't, it wasn't even required. It just sort of happened. And that's when I think oh, I can't do this anymore. I don't care about the fucking, I don't care enough to be able to, to have to go through this all the time. And then it will sort of, I won't work for about a year. And then by the time I, about years over, I think, okay, I can do it again now. And well, luckily enough, I'll get a job. It sounds like you just, you know, it, everything sort of breaks down with that specific job and a hundred percent goes in, but then you need that time off mm. to, to fix and put yourself back together. So there needs to be some sort of control, doesn't there? And I think, you know, as I've got older, that time, that duration has shortened. Right. In between jobs, in between taking a break, do you know what I mean? And does that mean because you've, you're getting more control over it or the healing time is quicker? Both, I guess, both. Uh, well, that's surely a positive. Yeah, and... Yeah, and I think... And being with my girlfriend as well, she's definitely helped with that in that she is an actor and she, sometimes I, it's that, that thing, sometimes I'll catch myself slipping into that old thing of thinking that I'm not doing an honourable job or because of my brothers and what they do and that they really work hard for a living so that with their guilt hands. Comes back. So that's coming in as well. <laughs> yeah. While there's also the fact that I can't handle my own emotions is coming in. Uh, and then all the other shit of like, oh... Now, you know, the phone hasn't rang, so now maybe... <laughs> so then there's that on top of it as well. Oh, man. That's always going to be there. Though. Exactly. The, you know, the phone thing, that's just part and parcel. Absolutely. That's, we can never control that. But the other things, at least we can try and get a grip on, you mm. know? Because then at least it's a healthy way forward within ourselves. I don't know. With my girlfriend, she... Because she's great theatre actress she has definitely taught me that oh and I, I, I've been blessed to work with such amazing people 
I did a film with Peter Mullen when I was 20. Oh, man. And he was, and he, uh, we text each other all the time and he's just, the, he was the best mentor to me of being like, and he, we sort of had similar situations with our dads growing up in, in a kind of sim, you know, similar way. And I think he definitely saw, and he really took me under his wing and just is the first one to be like, yeah, but you don't actually have to feel it, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like you can fake it. You can fake it don't have to feel it and he understands that you know sometimes you can't help but feel it in certain situations because it is this weird thing where you're replicating something that might have happened to you and it's hard yeah. not to it's hard to detach from that sometimes well that's where it overrides and it can get out of control <laughs> absolutely and if you, you know if you say if you are breaking down it's cut the camera's yeah. cut but you're still in a curled up ball in a fetus position on the exactly. floor and your eyes out then that that that's not good for you Alistair Petrie as well, who plays my dad in Sex Education. Yeah, lovely He's man. The fucking best. I, yeah. It was a particular scene that me and him were doing together. Uh, like, and what was worse is that my my girlfriend is Amy in the show. Right. right. So the scene that's happening and what's taking place is we're at prom. There's about 200 extras in the room. And she's kissing this lovely actor named Chris Jenks. And I'm in the scene, I'm watching this happen. And then the scene comes to a head with me telling my dad that I hate him effectively, which is Alistair Petrie. So I start crying at this thing with my dad, but all 200 extras think I'm crying because I'm seeing my girlfriend kissing this lovely lad. Lovely man. He's a lovely man. Yeah. He wouldn't hurt fly. And he's freaking out like, Who the, what the fuck is going on with this kid? And now I've run out screaming. And the crew are like, what is going on? JJ's run after me. My girlfriend's run after me. I'm sat in Cardiff on the side street, bawling my eyes out. Oh, man, alive. But then Alistair, he, comes, he came over and he was like, listen. And he, he completely got the situation and he was just reconfirming re that, like, you know, you don't have to, this isn't real right now. You know, it's it's you have every right to feel those emotions, but you being an actor is your what you're gonna your lesson is gonna be how to control yourself. Yeah, which you don't have a grip on right now, and that's fine because you're 22. Exactly. Not a lot of 22 year olds do, and now you're doing this weird thing where you sort of haven't done it before. So, and also, not a lot of 22s are all thrust into be like all these leads in this right. massive fucking show exactly. that's dropping around the world and everybody's dropping the kecks. And it's like, it's a, there's there's a lot of stuff yeah. that, as somebody who's been acting for 20 years, when I watched it, I went, I would never, I wouldn't do that now, let alone at 22. Yeah, yeah, do you yeah. know what I mean? But you, obviously, this is JJ, is a producer. Yeah, John but obviously, it, it, he's created a very sort of safe environment yeah. for you all to do that and to feel that it's okay. Yeah. Which doesn't happen a lot. Mm -hmm. I mean, it does a lot, but it doesn't as yeah, well. Yeah. At the same time, there would be places where people would be exploited. Yeah. It's de it's definitely, a, a, it had to be a safe environment for all of oh, us because of the God, nature of That's the all I was thinking of when I was watching it. I was, yeah. I, I mean, I was enjoying it, but I was watching it as an actor going, oh my God. God, these poor kids, I hope they're all right. I hope they're looked after, you oh, know. Oh, yeah, for sure. We all, we get the best, we've got the best team around us making sure that everything's fine because it is the most, like, visceral, naked experience doing mm. that show, especially for the girls on it. Um, but, yeah, I mean... How I'm, do you feel going forward, though? Do you think you're getting more control 
over yourself? I think that I'm just not afraid to uh, tackle my own problems as much. I'm just not afraid to. Uh, I'm just not afraid to be. I, I think the difference between. What I'm trying to say is that I, I feel like acting for me will always be this push and pull like it is with every actor. Yeah. Um, and that I shouldn't be so... What's the word? Like, I shouldn't think of myself as this fucking prince. Because that's what it boils down to, is me being like, oh, I'm so emotionally Do you fucking... think that, or do you think you're just giving yourself a hard time about that? Because, I, I mean, you know, we've just been sat here, I've only just met you, I don't think, I don't mm. see that at all. I don't see any bit of that in you. But, of course, I've just met you. Yeah. But I don't think I don't think so. I think that's probably you giving yourself a bit more of a hard time than what you should, to be honest. Mm, maybe. I think I just feel that sometimes I feel a bit, uh, I definitely feel guilt on some way, in some level, because of this whole thing with my dad. And then, you know, I definitely, and I don't really, maybe I'll never figure it out, but, the fact that my mum, I mean, any problem I've ever experienced with my life can always be brought back to that moment where yeah. my mum died. And it, I, getting to terms with that, that there's always going to be this albatross flying over my head, which is her haunting me effectively, coming to terms with that that will never go was hard. And then dealing with that all the time is hard. So, like, do you know what I mean? Coming yeah. to terms with the fact that that I'm never going to get over that, really. No, because she's always going to be there watching over you, really. To I feel extent. like, fuck, what have I missed out on? Or there'll be times where I'll be in groups of people that are talking shit about their mum or something like that, and I'm like, you no fucking idea. I wish I could had shit to talk about my mum. Yeah, of course. Or or we'll all be hanging out with everyone's family, and I'm like, I don't really have this structure. And that can come across sometimes as I'll be sit, sat in a group situation and I'll just, and I was talking about this the other day with a couple of friends, that I'll just completely emotional, emotionally flatline. And like, I just can't, and I'll be sat there thinking, I, I haven't spoken fucking 20 minutes. I need to speak. And I can't, I'm like, it's like I'm, par it's like I'm literally paralyzed in yeah. my head. I'm like screaming. I need to say something right now because, and I'm definitely, it may, it may like, I'm definitely a super shy person and, it has. It probably doesn't seem that way because I've just fucking waffled on. But no, but you see, I, I can sense I can sense that shyness in you totally from mm. having having this conversation with you. But again, that's that's all that's all right. Yeah, you know, we all we all know those actors who are kind of mm. big and that's all right. You know, that's that's their journey. That's who they are, or or is it? I don't know. Mm. I think you need to stop giving yourself too much of a hard time, <laughs> Connor, so too, to yeah. be honest. Yeah. So how do you feel about moving forward and starting this other series? Do you feel you're going to get more more of a grip? I do. I think it's just about... And sometimes I do stop giving myself a hard time because I, I think to my... I think because of the whole hard situation that I grew up with, I'm like, I had to grow up super fucking quick and I had to take care of myself very early on because I felt like I couldn't. And me and my dad not having any money and then living with him, there was, I, I always felt like I didn't have someone where I, if, if shit really went wrong, 
I couldn't call up my dad and be like, dad, I need 20 quid to get the bus or yeah. I just didn't even have that. So it was like, okay, so I always have to make sure that I've got enough money if ever I need it. Cause there's no one that I can rely on to come and help me if I get in trouble, not because of anyone's fault, but because my dad's like disabled and he lives on benefits. So he has barely enough money for himself, let alone yeah. to take care of a 17 year old kid, 16 year old kid. And then my brothers live really far away in a heartbeat. They would give me money, but if it was midnight, there'd be, you know, it's, and that, I think anyone that's been through that gets what I mean when I say that it's just, it can be hard not knowing that you've got support if ever you needed it. And now I'm at a point where I'm like, well, I have money now and I've got people around me that love me and care about me. So the thing that I battle with is like, I don't, now I fucking push it away and I'm... Because you don't want I've got them it. to leave. It's like yeah. this constant push and pull that I've had. I don't want you to leave now, so... I'll just push you away. But, but get away. Exactly. Quick. Yeah. And then I freak out the moment those people do leave or show any, or, or when someone, you know, challenges that or calls my bluff, then I'll freak out when, but I definitely am. But then I'm like, that's just me growing up. I'm 22. I, exactly. I, man. I need to stop treating life like I'm 45, which it feels like I have done for a long time. Yeah. Just need well, to be I think a that's kid. part and parcel of being forced to grow up too quick. Right. right. Just speaking about money, do you have a different, not a different perspective, that's not the right thing. Do you respect money now? If I, I catch myself sometimes. Because you earn it yourself. I do. I mean, I, I caught myself the other day, me and my girlfriend were having a debate and she said this thing of why do actors get paid more than other actors? And I said, well, if I was to get paid more, than someone else it's because i deserve it do you get what i mean like yeah. oh, my fucking mum died i deserve that money right okay and she went okay uh right and then i sort of i'm defending that debate i'm like you know i grew up you know me and my dad we had no money growing up so of course i deserve that money but then also part of me is like we all should get paid the same <laughs> yeah. do you know what i mean why am why is this person not getting paid as much as this person and why are the boys getting paid more than the girls or whatever it is but Jeez. then I think if someone was to turn around and say, Connor, we're going to pay you blah, blah, blah to do this film and everyone else, but you know everyone else is going to get this much. My first instinct would be, yeah, rightly fucking so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the whole pay, that's a whole other podcast all to itself. Connor, thank you so much for coming Thank in. you very much. Sorry that I fucking no, waffled no, on. For... Right. Do you enjoy it? Yeah, I loved yeah, it. It's yeah. Right. yeah. I think you should come back on after the end of series two and yeah. tell me all that went. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. All right, nice one, man. Thank you. And another episode is done. And there's not really much to say after that. Um, if Connor's listening, I want to thank Connor for coming on and uh, being so candid and honest. And you for downloading and subscribing. And that's it. We will see you next week for episode 84. Until then, I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care of yourself, okay? See ya. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. <laughs> <laughs>